start saving up cash, double down on your marketing efforts right now mm -hmm. and go attack this thing because that's gonna generate more cash in the bank for you to find the right people. Hey, welcome back to All In with Rick Jordan. I am Rick Jordan. I'm joined today by John. And John, I'm gonna let you say your last name because I don't wanna mess it up, man. Mistaken <laughs> first off, how are you? And how do you pronounce your name, dude? I love it, I love it. I get that a lot. And a lot of my peers and colleagues, they just go John K. Yeah. But pronunciation-wise, it's Karsibai. Um, I like John K though, man. That's, the, that's almost like secret agent style. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's pretty cool, I love that. So yeah, it's as easy as that. And it's, uh, you know, definitely long, definitely complicated. I, yeah. I don't blame you. Uh, you should, uh, my wife's last name is even longer. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> at least I have that going for me. Yeah, did she hyphenate or something? Is that what she did? No, no, it was just her original. Imagine combining the two. I know, that's what I was thinking. Last yeah. name. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, but dude, I love John K. I mean, that's, that's like the thing. So I mean, you're, you're, um, you're, you're an IT staffing, right? Which is awesome. So when you go to trade shows, is that how you brand yourself? Because I, I'm just suggesting, I think that you should. You should be, even on your business cards and everything, it should just be John K. I love it. Yeah, no, that's a great idea. I might take you up on that. Um, even when you introduce yourself, dude, this is one thing that my media coach told me is that always uh -huh. say your first and your last name. Because if you meet a celebrity, mm -hmm. you always want to say your first and your last name. Because instead of walking up to somebody and saying, hey, I'm Rick, how are you? It's like, hi, I'm Rick Jordan. Hi, I'm John K. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't that fun? <laughs> no, of course. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I think that first impression definitely counts because if you, you just go it. with the first name, then it's like, yep. oh, okay, I'm Bob. Uh, I know. I'm probably not going to remember that. <laughs> exactly. Bob versus John. I mean, John, even though yours is spelled pretty, this is the best spelling, dude, that I've ever seen, John. And, you know, I'm curious, what's your ethnic background? Because that's pretty cool, J-A-H-N. Yeah, yeah. So ethnic background, I was born in Kazakhstan, um, Central Asia. It's former Soviet Republic. Wow. Uh, if, if it's, it, I, I like to say it's the largest country no one ever heard that have, not many people have heard of. Uh, it's right under Russia and it's ninth in the world in size. So that's, Goodness. you know, if you look on the map, it's, pretty, it's actually pretty massive. So you're talking um, geographical size, not population. You're talking yeah, population is tiny. I think yeah. it's ninth in the world in size, but population we're probably like one of the smallest countries. There's like 16, 17 million people in general. Wow, there's like very, that very just small. down the street from me, man, in Chicago. You know, sixteen or seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> one city. I know, right? Exactly, man. That's cool. But dude, I, I love it. I'm so excited that you're here. We're going to talk about some cool stuff today, and uh, especially in the staffing side, because it. I'm in IT. I have a cybersecurity business, you know, an IT management business that's going public this year. And I tell you, dude, one of the biggest struggles, actually, it is the biggest struggle. The thing that kind of held back for a little while was finding the right people for my team. And, you know, I, I've gone through the gamut of, you know, ones that have lasted maybe not even a day to ones that have lasted, you know, a few years. And then, something just happens. It seems like they turn on a dime and it was all because of something that they had going on in their life, even before they started, you know? So it was like, and those ones that last a, a while, you know, <laughs> but then all of a sudden just go away suddenly. I've noticed too, that they were never really a great culture fit to begin with. And that was really the problem. 
they might have been able to do the job okay, which is why it was okay to sort of put up with them for a few years. For but sure. from a culture perspective, uh, and if you don't mind, I'll just give you a little background on my journey, and then you can tell me, and maybe you can relate, because Please. I'd love you to give your insight. Please do. But this is, a, this is one thing I started doing last year, is instead of sitting down and reading a resume and going through that first, no matter what it is, as long as they fit the, the general criteria for the role, now when I, now I don't even do most of the interviews anymore, I, I'm actually the last guy to give the thumbs up or the thumbs down now because I will give the thumbs up for the culture. That's really the last piece of the puzzle when I get involved. However, the very first thing that any applicant, any candidate does now is go through a 15 minute sort of personality interview, like an intro call before we even get into a regular interview. And that's one of our filtering processes now to see if they're even just a good fit, not even so much if they're a good fit for us, but also if we're a good fit for them. You know, because if it's like hardcore, we're going, we're all in, dude. I mean, all of my businesses, we're all in, you know, and if that's the case, you know, when you want to work and punch a clock eight to five, nine to five, whatever it is, that's not going to work for us. Yeah. Now, at the same time, we always say too, take the time when you need it. It doesn't matter. Even if it's your second day and something happens, and that actually happened with somebody earlier this year, dude, is it was like his second or third day with us. And he's, he's a rock star. He's, he's doing amazing. But his second or third day, he had like a fiance. And so it was almost like kind of like a hardcore, almost divorce that they just split suddenly. And he's like, Rick, I'm sorry. He's like, I really just need to take the day. I'm like, dude, go, please. This is important. This is something that's affecting your life. And if you don't have the rest of your house in order outside of work, how are you ever going to have your house in order inside work? So by all means, he's like, I just need like the day. That's it. I promise. It's not going to be, I'm like, I know. I know you're telling me the truth, brother, because <laughs> when you come back to this, it's just getting your head straight for the day because something in your life just impacted you in a negative way and you need to get your head on straight again, which is cool. You need a moment. That's cool. Yeah. Even on your third day, you can take Absolutely. a moment. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, you nailed it on the head. You know, the personality and the cultural fit is everything. It doesn't matter what kind of skill set you possess, the, the experience or the other projects you've done. If you don't fit in, you don't, you know, it's, it's going to be very hard to, to make it work. Yes. Yeah. You know, as a good friend of mine likes to say, you know, you can't teach personality yeah, and at man. the same time, <clears throat> it has to be a match. It has to be a match. And I think yeah, you yeah. being in cybersecurity, you know, exactly firsthand because number one, it's very hard to find that niche skill set yeah, from technical standpoint. But then on top of that, when you add a layer of that personality and the right, you know, fit for the culture, that adds another layer of complexity when you come, you know, when it comes to sourcing, screening, interviewing the candidates. It is interesting, isn't it? Because this is an interesting field to staff in. I'm sure it is for you. Absolutely. Because it's, uh, I've noticed a lot with candidates or people that are looking for jobs. <laughs> it's most of the time they're disgruntled somewhere else yeah. from what I see. Otherwise, I find uh, you know, IT staff, engineers, to be some of the most loyal people in the world. As long as you continuously throw new problems at them for so to solve, because that's like how they're wired. Yeah. You know, yeah. as long as they continuously be challenged every single day, you know, whatever growth, they're for the most part pretty happy. Yeah. If you're but not challenged on a daily basis, especially, you know, as a software engineer, as a yeah. cybersecurity engineer or data scientist, you know, you're going to get bored and you're going to look for yeah, something man. that will challenge you. And if you cannot find that internally for whatever company you're working for, 
you know, these guys will move on. And there's a lot of demand for that type of skill set. So yeah. there's, you know, they get hit up on daily basis by recruiters, by headhunters, a lot of the different by opportunities. You? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know, it's as funny as it sounds, of course, you know, I have clients, you know, I work, you know, I deal a lot with executives. Um, yeah. do a lot of executives, you know, search executive headhunting on, you know, the IT side as well. And a lot of times, you know, they're not sitting on the bench. A lot of times if you're sitting on the bench, I don't know, usually the best ones are you have to headhunt. Same yeah. applies yeah. for, you know, the very niche IT talent as well. You know, site reliability engineers right now, it's a hot demand. You can't find them. Those yeah. are unicorns. And especially if you ask them to do some development as well. You know, these guys, they don't exist. And if they do, they work for some really, really cool companies on really, really cool projects. So if you can't maintain that, you know, you're going to lose some really talented people. Man, that's amazing perspective. Is it, if, you know, prior to COVID, I don't know what it is right now. And I'd love to hear your insight because, I, you know, I'm in a different stage with my cybersecurity company going public right now. So it's not like we're really hiring, but we're acquiring. And when you acquire, you're not just acquiring the company, you're acquiring, acquiring the talent within the company. Exciting, yeah, so it's, it? it's, it is really exciting because it's almost like we're blowing over that whole hiring process for the most part, except yeah, yeah. for higher level executives, because that's what I'm, I'm personally looking for is integration teams now, yeah. you know, but bringing those, those other companies that we're looking to bring underneath the reach out umbrella, reach out to the name of the cybersecurity and IT management firm, bring those underneath the, the, the MSP umbrella we're looking to best integrate them into our culture, you know, because they're used to a certain different culture. And I think our culture is pretty cool. I mean, it's so laid back as long as you crush it or try to crush it. It's just, we're results-based. It's as simple as that. That's the culture. As long as you're achieving what we need to achieve and pushing the whole organization for because you're part of something pretty cool. You're yeah. part of something pretty big. But as a whole, this industry prior to COVID, I know the unemployment rate was like pretty much right around 0%. And especially in your field, cybersecurity, it was almost in the negative. Wow. Yeah, man. That I, can, that I can attest to for sure because, you know, a lot of my clients that, you know, they ask for some specific skill set. And if it has to do with, you know, SREs or cybersecurity or data science, yeah. I mean, those guys, I, I, I'm very honest with them up front. I said, you, we're going to have to come up with some really, really creative strategy to attract those guys because they're not sitting on the bench. Yeah. You either have to hire somebody who is really, really junior and invest heavily into training and getting them on board, which is going to take a lot of resources and time, or you're going after somebody who is really talented, but you know, I'm sure they got some really cool stuff going for them. So we have to differentiate somehow. Oh yeah, right on, man. And you work a lot with Fortune 500 companies, right? For the executive side of things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's you know through my through the network after Harvard, um, it's a pretty tight network in terms of you know the alumni association. A lot of that, yeah. everyone helps each other, and you know a lot of the executives uh, alumni from that school, which is you know I'm very fortunate yeah. to have access to that. And, you know, we collaborate a lot and that's kind of my primary focus in a lot of the companies. But at the same time, it's, there's quite a few startups that I try to help because they try to ramp up very quick, very fast, and they, they need, they need talent. And that's what it's all about. At the end of the day, you can have all the vision, you can have all the backing from venture capital perspective. If you don't have the right people on board, you know, your success rate is probably, you know, working against you. So that's kind of my take on, on that. 
Right on. You know, I'm seeing kind of a, a changing of the guard, so to speak, because I, I support and coach and mentor MSPs, managed service providers. And you mentioned startups because the majority of managed service providers are making under $1 million a year you know, so in, in revenue. So for the most part, they're almost all at that startup mode. Mm-hmm. You know, to, even they might've been around 10, 15 years, but now that cyber is the thing, yeah. you know, if you're not doing that, there's no way that you can possibly service, at least ethically, one of any one of your clients Absolutely. whatsoever. And there's this transition period because a lot of those skill sets and what so many don't realize, you know, in my world, in the, in the MSP space, that there's even, and you know this, man, I'm sure you do, that there's even like sub niches within cybersecurity. Oh. And there's like six or seven different main competencies yeah. that you have to have in your company in order to truly provide mm-hmm. cybersec services. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure you see that too, because even in the, in the Fortune 500, you have you know, you might have a chief security officer, but then that person has different, you know, whether it's external threats or internal threats and they break it off from there. And then they go into the coding side because co- CyberSec is big into coding and analyzing the scripts and analyzing the logs. And that's, a, that's an analyst role. That's yeah. a specialty role. But then there's also the implementation and strategy planning for cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. And that's another niche role. That Absolutely. Exists. You know, there, and there's still more, they go on. You know, so, <laughs> Yeah, there's many layers, many, many layers to this. You nailed it on the head. And, you know, I spend a lot of time with CISOs and I, one of the, one of the trends and a lot of the really, you know, smart CISOs, what they do is they also have kind of the role on the team that partners almost with HR division of the organization, because a lot of the security flaws, a lot of the security hacks that do happen, they all evolve around the human behavior that somebody was not aware, somebody did not know the protocol or they clicked on this particular link that they shouldn't have. So you can have all the technology in the world and you know, with advanced technologies, AI, RPA, ML, that you know, increases our chances to prevent a certain hack. But if, if, uh, if a personnel or you know, an employee is not aware of what to do or the protocol or the right things or what not to do, you know, that could lead to, you know, a lot of different, you know, hacks and whatever else that can go wrong. So I like a lot of the CISO strategy to really start incorporating that human element and really start partnering with other divisions within the organization that, hey, I'm providing you with technology, but people got to do their own part as well. Dude, you have no idea how excited I just got uh, over everything you just said, because this is, this is the, the MSP space, right? It came from to provide managed services, all you had to do was like throw on a tool. You had to throw on an RMM, like, like a, like a ConnectWise or LabTech or Kaseya. You know, Kaseya is used big time in the enterprise space. And then at, you could do that and buy an RMM solution. Then all of a sudden, boom, you're an MSP. You know, that, that's what it looked like. And like, cool, because I'm monitoring, that makes me a managed service provider. Mm-hmm. But that's the mentality, dude, that is so sad because I see that it's not that way with cybersecurity. You yeah. can't just buy a next-gen AV. You can't just buy or, or partner with a SIEM provider and, and say that you're a, a virtual CISO. Yeah. You cannot do that because that's not really what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's all these other competencies. So it's difficult because it's like a mental block. It's a transition in the MSP space, especially that sub $1 million level, which I'm trying to help bridge that gap. With, with everyone right now, because what you were saying specifically, because my background goes into being trained by the CIA mm-hmm. in surveillance and elicitation wow. as a civilian to do contract work. 
You know, uh -huh. I was part of the agency, but I was trained in this to where I could even teach some of the courses at the farm, especially in surveillance. Uh -huh. And when you say that CISOs are partnering with HR, that's why it's not just a tool. It's not just a quote unquote antivirus or next gen AV that's behavioral based that will help a lot of these companies transition. You know, I mean, take a look at something like Hershevec Group from, they've been around 20 years as a true cyber sec company. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're crushing it in the space that you're in right now. So when you've got that, you know, it's difficult for smaller managed service providers to make that transition and compete in that space unless they have the right talent, unless yeah. they have the right people. You know, and I see almost a new market taking place right now to where it's, I know one person that's actually doing this right now to where he's a fractional CISO. Uh -huh. and no, that's a, I think there's a big demand for that type of, you know, skill set as well, especially these days, COVID, you know, with everyone working remote, everyone being, you know, not in the office, that elevates the yeah. need for that type of skill. Because at the end of the day, it's all, you know, the, you know, awareness it's all how do you make sure that you know your employees or the people that you deal with are aware of the potential threats and what to do mm -hmm. and what not to do because technology can help you only so much but if it's not used if it's not used in the right way you know that's you know what's what's good about that so i can only you know i i, I can definitely see a lot of the demand what, what you're doing um in terms of that cybersecurity space and that's only going to here to stay I, I hear a lot from my clients saying, hey, it's going to be very hard for us to go back to the, you know, the previous norm in terms of being, you know, in the office that, you know, remote workforce has been growing and it's here yeah. to stay. You know, a lot of companies have realized that, hey, it's, it's a working model. And it's actually, there's a lot of more, a lot more advantages to that than disadvantages. So now you can see a lot more companies coming out and saying, hey, we're going to continue with this. We're not going to bring people back to the offices, you know, only to, you know, to a certain extent, but the overall structure, the overall kind of for, form of the company workforce is going to be remote. And that's a huge benefit. And that's a huge perk also when you deal with a lot of candidates that look for that flexibility. Right on, my man. And I know you're working in the Fortune 500 space. So Fortune 500s serve other Fortune 500s. Yeah. You know, when it comes to these things, you know, especially if it's a cyber sec company, they're going to partner with other Fortune 500 companies. So in my space, the smaller managed service providers that are trying to make a transition, they serve small businesses. You know, they might get into mid-market, mid-cap companies, you know, $100 million plus in revenue. That's okay. Yeah. But for the most part, Fortune 500 will serve Fortune 500. And then there's a huge steep drop off. And this is interesting to me, too, because it's like a blue ocean. For, for these MSPs that are doing under 10 million a year because uh -huh. they're servicing other businesses that are doing under 100 million a year. Right. And those, the money and the budgets that apply to a Fortune 500 company for cybersecurity services and solutions and, and people, staff, those don't really exist down in the small business space. Yeah. So everything that a Fortune 500 needs, it's really a lot of the same stuff that a small business needs, except there's no budget that exists in the small right. business space. And it's almost not affordable, but I'm seeing a transition too, to where a lot of the enterprise level solutions mm -hmm. and processes and procedures and tools are starting to become extremely affordable to yeah. the small business, but the small business does not know how to implement them. Absolutely. So it's a huge blue ocean for everybody that, to my audience, mm -hmm. you know, for what you're saying. And I see so many connectivity. It's like, almost like the fortune 500s are blazing the trail right now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. And I, I would love to see what happens with you and what you do in staffing. 
because I, I can see a lot of these CISOs for the Fortune 500s at some point get their feet wet, do some really cool things, and then branch off and be like, you know what? I'm going to go be fractional somewhere. Yeah. And it would make sense for them to do that because there's a lot more opportunity to explore from that standpoint, uh, to almost to take that skill set that you yeah. have built within the large organization. And then kind of part of what we do at ProSource as well is, you know, IT staffing is one division, but also management consulting and training. Uh, it's a huge, huge divisions because right now, you know, a lot of the companies are coming in and saying, you know, different roles like chief diversity officer or chief people officer, yeah. or, you know, it's all of these that the frag fragmented roles that almost evolved because of the nature of, you know, where we at and what we deal with. And and it's so yeah. human centric now. It's yeah. not just servers in a closet anymore and switches. And routers. Yeah. It's all about the people. Oh, 100%. And I think, you know, I, I love, I love your overall brand from a perspective that all in, because when, when you have everything fragmented and you have everything, you know, in silo, especially in large companies and not everybody's all in, it's, you know, it becomes very challenging to manage that. And I think a lot of the executives, they're realizing that now. And, you know, I, that's why I'm very excited in terms of that trend. Not that I'm excited for COVID, but I'm excited. Yeah. What, what are the opportunities that are coming out of these times? Right on, my man. I, that's that's a, such an, a great point that you're making because there is so much optimism that can be had right now. We're not excited for COVID, just like what you said. You know, we're... That was a tragedy that took place and it, it will still probably be ongoing for quite a little while. However, there was in our space in, in IT, in cybersecurity, in managed services, a transitioning that was already starting to take place. It's quite simply just that COVID accelerated it. Yeah. Simple as that, man. Oh, Everything that was it. coming was just pushed up moved up by like two or three years to right now. And so that the adaption time period that most of us in this industry typically have to see things, you know, gradually change was just completely ripped away from us. Yeah. And now yeah. we've had to move. I mean, I've heard this word pivot and man, if I hear the word pivot again, one more time, you know, I swear I'm just going to go vomit in a, in a trash can. <laughs> That's what everybody's saying these days, right? And it's like everyone, everyone's pivoting. <laughs> everyone's pivoting. I get why. It's a great catchphrase, right? You know, <laughs> but it, you, you take a look at what was already coming, and there were steps that in my business that we were already taking. You know, we made the decision to go public last year, and everything will be uh, approved and qualified by the SEC just within in a couple of months here. Wow. Which is awesome. But the whole point is because whether you're a Fortune 500 or whether you're an MSP business, you know, like a sub $1 million business, there's a consolidation that's taking place in the industry right now. Yes. For those that do not pivot, you know, or really, or really evolve, you know, because this change was coming, it was just about two or three years out. And I saw this before, you know, when you work with Fortune 500s, but when everything turned from reactive to a proactive, perspective right. in IT. Now, then it turned from proactive to security. And now it's really turned, or it has turned from the tech to humans. Mm -hmm. That's the focus in IT right now. IT is no longer servers. It's no longer routers. It's no longer switches. It's no longer hotspots. It is all about the people. Absolutely. But now everyone's forced to see that in the mirror and be like, oh, crap, am I behind now? Probably like overnight you might have been. But to your point, dude, there is still hope. 
There's a if you start on it right now, you can still get ahead of the curve by building the right team. And if you don't have money to find the right team right now, there's ways to get that. There's ways to increase cash flow. Start saving up cash. Start going out, double down on your marketing efforts right now mm -hmm. and go attack this thing because that's going to generate more cash in the bank for you to find the right people. Because it's okay as, a, as an owner or even as a CISO in a Fortune 500 company, you're not the one that's supposed to have all the answers. Right. You're the one that's supposed to build the team around you with the people that does have the answers. Absolutely. Done. End of story. You know, I hope to God that anybody listening to this always positions themselves so they're the dumbest person in the room. <laughs> <laughs> with whatever team you build, you want to be the dumbest person in that room, dude. You know, because yeah. people like you, John, you're providing the smart people to them. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And so it's kind of what you're talking team. about is so relevant because – a lot of the, you know, a lot of very successful executives, it's, you know, they're the ones who, who are very inquisitive, who are very, you know, first to admit that, hey, I don't know everything. I, I, don't, ha I don't have all the answers. And yes, you know, pivot, pivot is a big keyword these days, like you said. But in my view, pivoting is, it's, you know, your failure to plan, your failure to, you know, foresee or proactively develop some kind of a strategy for something that was coming. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a trend and a lot of people talk about going back to the norm. There is no going back to the norm. This is kind of the new norm. Dude, that was a straight truth right there. That you're, when you have to pivot, that's really a failure if you have to pivot. That was incredible. You just blew my mind. Seriously, yeah. that was incredible, man. That is the straight truth that everybody needs to hear. Like, like you said, you know, I hear a lot of that too from, from, you know, from all kinds of people that, oh, we pivoting, oh, we doing this, we, you know, we changing the strategy. Yeah, but at the same time, it's, I get that, you know, you have to adapt. Nobody, no one could have predicted that. But no at the same time, we all saw this trend in terms of the remote workforce, the emphasis on the cybersecurity that was needed. That was, you know, it, it's not something that, came out, you know, out of the blue overnight. It's you something it. that you should have been investing in, you know, a long time ago. Right on. It was already there and moving that directly. Those were the, that direction. Those were the trends. It was just accelerated to mm -hmm. right now. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Acceleration is, you know, the very, you know, the right descriptor for that. It's something that was eventually, you know, it was coming anyways. It's just something that fa was fast-tracked and, that you know, happened unfortunately this year. Yeah, man. But that's, you know, that is the new norm. That's, there is no going back. Right on, right on. And that's okay too, because yeah. what was is the past. It's done. It's over with. There is no, in IT at least, you know, one of the other things I hear during these COVID times, you know, let's get back to normal. And then there's all this other phrase, right? You know, as much as I don't like the word pivot, I also don't like the phrase, the new normal. <laughs> <laughs> that's what a lot of the politicians are like. You know, right. <laughs> We're never going to get back to this, but you know what? For the IT space, for the cyber sec, it's not, you know, if you call it the new normal, it's like, no, this was just a natural evolution of things that was accelerated to right now. It was coming anyways. This was where things were going to be three years from now. So it's not like saying, hey, we got to adjust the new normal. No, you got to just move as fast as how COVID bumped things up. Right. You need to right. start picking up the pace a bit too. Because whatever about the stupid new normal don't use that phrase because that's just that's just saying oh i was lazy yeah it's another straight truth man we're like dropping straight truth bombs today. <laughs> it's like you know another excuse yeah. that you you use to kind of justify that to yourself 
that, you know, you had failed to plan, you had failed to have a backup plan at the end of the day. And, you know, I give a lot of props to you for, you know, you mentioned you guys are going public in the middle of all of things that are going on. But in my view, it's, hey, it's a great opportunity. Timing could have been any better for this. Yeah, especially in cybersecurity space, you know, there's a huge demand for the services and the solutions that, you know, companies like yourself provide. And that's, you know, really taking that opportunity and really seizing that, seizing that opportunity of the timing and leveraging that to, you know, take your company to the new, to the next level. Dude, I love it. And, and, you know, even though I'm taking my company public for all my peers too, that's not the only solution. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the solution could be to dump more into your marketing right now you know, or to just build up cash to where you can hire the right people like we were talking about. There, there's no one way, one best way to do this and continue to accelerate with, with the trends that are happening. There's multiple different ways and it all depends on what your outcome you want it to be. I'm not even going to say goal because I hate the word goal too, you know, because goal is like something that may happen versus yeah. when you focus on an outcome. You know, it's like, oh, okay, this is where I know I need to be and this is exactly mm -hmm. what's going to be versus a goal that you might miss or you might hit. Yeah, it's like um, an ambition. Yes, exactly. But if you're saying this is the outcome and it could be going public, it could be just doubling your revenue, it could be tripling your recurring revenue that you have right now, any of those are great things. Yeah. There's no one way, you know, that I have a way that's right for me. Others have a way that's right for them. Fortune 500s have a way that's right for them. Smaller MSPs and cyber tech companies have a way that's right for them. For there's sure. A, no one right way but there is a way that you need to take mm -hmm. you can't just do nothing right now because otherwise you're starting to talk about pivots and new normals which is a failure to planning and being lazy for both of those you have to do something you have to pick a way you have to figure out what your outcome mm -hmm. is that you want to be six months from now I'm not even talking a year plan or five-year plan. I'm talking six months from now because our oh, industry yeah. is so fast, dude. How can you sometimes see those trends five years out? It's freaking impossible. Definitely. Yeah. And with, you know, COVID was a perfect example that you can't plan that far in advance. You never know what's going to happen. So, yeah. you know, very short-term planning, you know, within the month, couple of months uh, timeline, you know, that's exactly what you're talking about. And that's, you know, sounds like very exciting time for you guys as well. And I'm, I'm just curious with, how was your kind of your your workforce your your employees' reaction in terms of making the decision to go public and then also with with the COVID hitting you know earlier this year was was there kind of you know different camps almost like should we do this should we not or just curious to hear kind of your experience from from that standpoint. It's interesting because there's a, there's almost the same perspective inside and outside. And one thing to my benefits, and this was just the right timing and how I knew that this was the right decision. The market had taken its complete plunge, its huge crash before we're doing our IPO, which is very, very good for us. You know, otherwise we would have had to write it down. It would have been hard to raise private equity and, you know, just create a market for what we're doing from a people perspective, internally and externally, it's almost the same thing. They see it as a really, really exciting thing to do. Yeah. Uh, and when I, I almost have to like rein in the excitement a little bit and say, listen, this is going to be the hardest freaking work we've ever had to do it. I'm still just beating that into people, you know, in a very positive way to say, yes, this is going to be amazing. There's going to be employee stock programs. Now there's going to be equity that you will hold within the company that you work for. 
Oh, yeah. you know, that, that's one of the things that I'm most, me personally, I'm most excited about, man, because everyone likes to belong to somebody that's bigger than themselves. Yeah. Sense of ownership. You, you got it. And that's one thing that I've always wanted to provide. And that, that is like almost the singular reason why I wanted to go public because that was important to me. I've always said that I love payroll time uh-huh. because I love positively impacting the lives of those that I create this space for. Oh yeah to work and the increasing their potential and their success. I love creating that atmosphere, you know, even with managed service providers, I love telling them literally everything that I do, you know, not holding anything back as proprietary or anything else, because I love to saying, Hey, this is what works. And I was broke with newborn twins 12 years ago. Now it's a multi-million dollar business. You know, I want to tell you what I did, you know, because I feel obligated to do that. I want to create a space to where you have, the potential to see your own success and be your own hero. And in going public for me, that provides that atmosphere for all of my people. They're all excited. So is everybody else. And when I say I'm going public, almost everybody's like, Oh, congratulations. I'm like, yeah, you have no idea the amount of effort that has to go into this still, (laughs) you know, you make the decision and you say that it sounds great in a press release, but the grit and the determination behind the scenes to start raising the capital and doing what you need to do. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, man. Yeah, I can only Everybody imagine. Everybody else is playing their part because now that I'm completely focused on growth in the organization, there are other people that have had to step up within the organization and new roles created, which is awesome because now they're able to grow. But now they're saying, wow, this is going to be a lot of work for the next couple of years. But man, oh, yeah. we're shooting for you know a, a $200 million, a $500 million, or whatever, a billion dollar valuation at some <laughs> point in time. And that's what I'm helping to build. I'm creating my own success and everyone sees it that way inside. And then outside they're like, Oh, that's awesome. You made it. It's like, no, no, <laughs> this is just the start. This is like, like saying I'm going to compete. That's what yeah. you say, you're going public. You know, that's a, that's the start of it. But even when somebody starts a business, a lot of people are like, Oh, high five way to go. You have your own gig. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's completely different ball game. If you haven't been that route, you know, I've, I've had my share of, you know, failed businesses before, you know, any like, you know, nine failed before one kind of made it. Yeah, and yeah. it's, you know, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's, you know, it <laughs> sounds exciting to the outsider, but the amount of work it's, you know, it's a 365. It's, you know, it's no days off and it's, you know, like you keep saying, it's all in, you, you know, you either go all in or you don't do that at all. Yeah. And, you know, that's, you know, wow, that's, you know, kudos to you. And that's kind of going public and the prep work to go into that because I've, I haven't taken any of my companies public, but I've been part of corporation where they had gone public and the amount of work to prep for that alone yeah. Yeah. is, you know, requires, you know, armies of resources and the time to do that. And once you go, you know, that's first, that's first step. But once you actually do go public that after that, you know, it's living up to those expectations. And now you actually opened it up to everybody. And it's, you know, that, but, but it's a, it's a very exciting journey. Dude, it's so, it's so cool. You said that because it, you said it requires armies of people. And <laughs> what I see it too, whether you're going public or whether you're just building a business, it still requires armies of people. And in our industry, there's a lot of, we're, a lot of people start, right? It's almost like the one man show. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're fixing stuff on the side, doing wireless routers, whatever it is. Then they might move on to servers and get their first small business if they're building their own managed service provider or cybersecurity company. Mm-hmm. But at some point in time, you have to realize that there's no way you're going to achieve the outcomes that you want all on your own. Right. 
There's no way that you're going, you know, the average small business owner makes, uh, this is government statistics. I, when I, I spoke at Harvard Club of Boston last year on uh, coaching and mentoring, and this was one of the things is that the average small business owner takes home $59,000 a year. Wow. That's I'm not surprised really, though. Man. I, I know I'm not surprised either because, but that's, they're just looking at it's, it can't be just doing the same job now only for yourself instead of working for somebody else. Yeah. You have to look and build bigger beyond your own capacity. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can leave the ship, but there's other people that you need around you to fulfill those functions and to lift you up. You know, sure. other people that will bring meaning to what you're doing. While you're bringing meaning to your team, your team will bring meaning to you. And that's not just serving clients. That's your team becomes your meaning and your right. purpose and your why because you're seeing the positive impact that you're having on uh -huh. everybody else that you've put into place around you. For sure. For sure. Wow. That's, you know, you nailed it on the head. And it's the other part that I'm also curious about is quite a few executives that I partner with, um, you know, they, they go to these conferences, they do a lot of, you know, speaking engagements. It's, yeah. you know, the, the previous norm, I guess, kind of from, you know, last year before the COVID all, when all of the travel restrictions and all of that stuff. And you, you're in that space as well, right? You do a lot of, you know, keynote speeches, you do a lot of travel and conference participation. And yeah. it's these days I get some questions from some of the executives in terms of, Hey, you know, now with a lot of conferences and, you know, these, you know, keynote opportunities that had gone to complete, you know, halt, um, what do you do? What do you, you know, how do you get your brand out there? And it's yeah. at the same time, I'm like, wow, it's, if anything, I actually see a lot more opportunities these days because everyone is glued to yeah. their monitors. Everyone is in front of their computers and you don't even have to travel anywhere. You can use, you know, platforms like, you know, Rick Jordan's podcast, or you can go and create, create your, you know, your own webinar. Like, you know, that's what we did. We said, we have access to all these executives. Why not do like a virtual panel and invite a couple of them to talk about the really cool stuff that they're yeah, experts in. And, you know, hundreds of people dial in and they actually listen to that. So it's kind of just leveraging the times of, you know, change to look for different opportunities. Right on, my man. And that those are almost like virtual stages you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, everyone used to think that stages meant like a physical raised platform somewhere that you had to go to. Yeah. Now, the stages are so much more numerous, like a million X is what these exactly. stages are. And then it, you just you're only limited to amount of people that you can attract. You got it. To actual how many attendees are attending that particular conference. Right on, right on. And that's a great point too. You said that it, the amount of people that you can attract. Mm -hmm. And I don't want anyone to get discouraged when they start saying that, oh, I'm not attracting what I thought I would. You know, Because it's almost like right off the bat, man, when you do these things. And this is the same when you speak on stage. I mean, I found that when I speak on stage, I'm very polarizing. You know, mm -hmm. I get half that are one stars over here and the other 50% are five stars thinking it's the best thing they've ever heard. You know, and there's just nothing in the middle, you know, which is, which is okay for me. I find that just fine because I just look at, okay, the one stars, that's fine. I don't resonate with them. Yeah. And that's cool. There will be somebody else because I'm not the only one that, yeah. that will resonate with them because they not for everyone. Yeah. Exactly. But this group over here, the, this other 50%, you know, cause right off the bat, there's going to be 50% that just don't like you just because there's mm -hmm. no reason. It's right. just that there's no resonation. There's no energy synergy between the two of you. And the other half, though, that's your prospect pool. Yeah, or the other half that say like, yeah, you know, even if it's just one thing 
that I heard that I liked from him, that's cool. You know, so it was okay. I, I, I might want to hear more mm-hmm. because it was one thing that resonated with me. And that's then great. because of that, it's five stars. You know, and th- that's when you have to cultivate those relationships. But the point is, is that don't get discouraged when people don't like you. Yeah. Or people just give you a one-star review or whatever it is. Because there's going to be the same amount on the other side, 50-50. Look at even presidential elections, man. It's the same thing. You know, it's not often that there's like a landslide. You know, most of the time it's super tight. It's like if you're talking like popular vote, it's like 51% to 49%. Yeah, it's you know? like popularity it's- contest. Exactly. But it's like split right down the freaking middle. You know, it, it, <laughs> there's almost never a landslide that takes place. And right. that's really how it is. It's because no matter what, half the people are just not going to resonate with you. And that's okay. Because the other half absolutely will. And that's what you need to focus on as far as your targets. And For the sure. people that you can influence that want to hear from you, that want to receive the guidance that you're able to provide. Yeah. And that's, you know, what you're talking about is so spot on in terms of, you know, the kind of from marketing and business development and sales perspective, it's, I see a lot of companies investing heavily into kind of like going into like traditional sales and heavy business development budgets. But in my view, what has worked well in terms of, you know, that actual business development is really focused on these one-on-one relationships at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's a partnership economy, so to say. Yeah, I recently yeah. talked to a chief marketing officer of Impact and, you know, him and I discussed, you know, a very similar strategy in terms of, you know, ditch the traditional sales techniques and call calling and all of the marketing campaigns and instead focus on really building meaningful relationships with people. And if that relationship, you know, does happen and they definitely see the value that you bring, you know, at that point, it's not even the sales. It's, it's going to happen automatically. And that's, I see a lot of these trends these days, especially with some of the successful uh, executives who actually are able to make deals happen in these times, all relationship-based. Right on. This is a squirrel that I'm going to chase right now because, dude, I see your hair. And it's got like <laughs> that streak of gray in front. Yeah, everyone thinks that I, uh, I, I dye that. And it's like <laughs> my, my thing. It's, I call that, I call that uh, marriage and two children. <laughs> Dude, but see, that goes with the whole John K thing. Introduce yourself. That is it. You've got the visual. You should get a logo that has some kind yeah. of a like gray thing going on the, on the oh, business card. Like that. Yeah, that, like that outline face thing and then just the, the, the small streak that's there. <laughs> Uh, that would be hilarious. <laughs> Golden ideas here, okay? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I, uh, you should uh, copyright or trademark that somehow. Yep. <laughs> One day when I make it, you'll come after me. Yep, jump on it now. There, that's free. Okay, go. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Hey, as we, one other thing I wanted to hear from you today. Now that we stopped chasing that squirrel, you know, the IT staffing side of things, because you're staffing a lot of executives. You know, and, and some in my space could qualify as executives if they decide to just say, you know what, doing my own thing, you know, with the team or running it, you know, because with this consolidation, there's a lot of managed service providers that are starting to fold and that's okay. So they're selling, you know, because even in the acquisition talks with me, I'm in the acquiring mode, mm-hmm. but I always ask the seller, you know, it's like, well, why do you want to do this? And right. what's your plan after you sell? Where are you going? Just so I can get a, a good frame where their head's at. Yeah, and a lot of some of them, you know, if they're maybe in their sixties, they're like, you know, I might want to retire, but some are like, I got a few more years. They've got all this experience that's built up, you know, to where they could move in as like a mid-level executive somewhere. 
because they, they've seen it all. And that's the advantage with time. You know, you can learn a lot really fast, but there's just some things that take time to actually have the visualization and be a part of those situations that just kind of come up like once every 10 years or whatever it is. That's the value of experience is that you're able to see more. It's not that you're able to learn more or learn faster. It's that you're able to see more scenarios yeah. as time goes by. So they've seen tons. I mean, uh, more, way more than what somebody who's just starting in the industry. You know, what advice would you have for them? Those are maybe looking to make a strategic exit right now and say, you know what, this is, the economy's stupid. I would rather just go, you know, five years, 10 years, whatever it is, because I have friends who did this too, man. Yeah. Yeah, they, they say, I would love to go help crush somebody else's vision. That's what I want to do now. Somebody that can just lead me into the future. And I would be so happy to support that effort, that mission. Sure. What advice would you have for them? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, I see a lot of that in, you know, executives who are leading their startups or their companies, and then they want to take a step back. And really the advice that I have is also get involved with a lot of the boards. You know, a lot of the companies, they lack some of that experience and some of the things that you had you know, you learn from those mistakes, you learn from your failures. Everybody loves to talk about the, you know, the things that they did great and some of their wins and successes, but not a lot of people want to admit, you know, hey, I've made these mistakes and here's what I learned. And I'm willing to lend that expertise to you and your organization and be able to get involved, uh, you know, in the board. And if you, you know, if there's not an opportunity to be on the board of directors, as an example, you know, there's plenty of opportunities to be, you know, in an advisory capacity. And that's for you as an executive, it's a great way to also build your credibility, build your almost, you know, your brand, so to say, as an executive in that particular field. As you interact, you talk to all of the other executives and you guys sit on the same board and, you know, share those experiences that you've gone through in the past that led to that particular acquisition or the sale of the company or whatever the, the outcome is. That's brilliant, man. That's, that's perfect advice. I love that. Dude, in the, uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe that's even the one thing for today. We always give people one thing to take away, you know, but, but I always ask my guests to do that when you're, when you're on here. Right. So but if that's not it, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll give them a bonus one thing today. So what's one thing you want to leave with everybody? Cause that, that, that was just like bookending it, but I, I love it, but let's, let's call, yeah, absolutely. What you got, man? What you got? Oh, 100%. And it's, uh, you know, a lot of the topics that you and I covered on, you know, on this episode, it's, you know, it's, they're very relevant. It's with the times that we're dealing with. It's yeah. nobody could have predicted that. But at the same time, using that as an opportunity to find other opportunities, whether you're an executive or you're just, a, you know, you're a junior software engineer looking to break into the field. It's, you know, really looking for the, the opportunities that are coming out of this particular times and, you know, jumping on that. And whether that's you building your own brand or, you know, me trying to find some unicorn tech talent that, you know, that hasn't been available before. I think it's, you know, through these times, it's really just trying to find your niche, try to find that opportunity and really kind of, you know, capitalize on that. And, you know, that's, you know, I'm excited to, you know, I could spend hours and hours to talk about those things. And it's just, you know, I think, you know, from everything that you and I covered from the talent, from, you know, the board involvements, from, you know, leveraging the opportunities in, you know, the time of crisis, these are all relevant topics. And that's what, you know, I'm very excited to talk to you about that.
Dude, that's awesome. I love it. I, I need to point people to you. So where can everyone find you on social or where, whatever channels? Social. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm very active on LinkedIn. You know, I LinkedIn is my platform. I, I network a lot. I talk to a lot of, you know, not only executives, I do a lot of coaching as well. You know, I'm, I'm part of the, you know, first generation Harvard alumni. I spend a lot of time with those guys where we lend the expertise and, you know, try to broker introductions. Uh, I'm on, um, I'm on a career coach with the Harvard Alumni Association as well, because a lot of the recent alumni or the graduates, you know, being able to lend that expertise that I didn't get when I was graduating, yeah, it's man. something that I definitely want to give back. So, you know, just connect on LinkedIn, uh, prosourceit.net is the main website uh, where you can find a lot more information about myself, about what we do. And, you know, looking forward to catching up. Dude, that's awesome. Thanks so much, dude, for being on today. This was, this was brilliant. One of my most enjoyable conversations. Oh, likewise, Rick. I appreciate you having me, uh, giving the opportunity. I love what you do. Keep doing it. I hope that, uh, you know, I don't hope. I know for a fact that we're going to intersect more. Um, best of luck with the, uh, with, with, with your, you know, with going public. It's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for you, but at the same time, I'm, you know, knowing you, I'm pretty sure everything is going to be very successful. Thanks, my man. I'm going to be knocking on your door and being like, dude, I need like a new C-level team because the ones I have are bugging me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we'll make it happen. We'll make yeah. it happen, brother. <laughs> I love it. Awesome, man. Awesome. Hey, thanks for going all in with me today. Subscribe to the show so you get the new episodes when they come out. Rate and review the show if you're listening on iTunes. Follow me on social media at Mr. Rick Jordan. As always, you can find links and references to anything we've talked about in this episode in the show notes. And finally, share this episode with someone who you think might be able to level up their life by listening. I am Rick Jordan and I approve this message.